the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You look at worship today across America, and it runs the gambit, and the pendulum swings extremely to one side or the other. So what is the propriety of worship? What should it look like? We'll explore Malachi chapter 1 next on Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. ministry of Reformed Heritage Church here in San Jose and online at reformedheritage.org. This is Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. Welcome to our program. We are continuing our series here on worship, and we are in part five of our series looking at the propriety of worship. We're in Malachi chapter one, verses six through 10, as we focus in on what true worship should look like getting a sense of it from Malachi. Here's Pastor Gary Wagner on today's Abounding Grace. Whenever you go into the house of the Lord, you must lay aside all other business and apply yourselves wholly to the duties of that holy place. You must keep your minds intent all the while upon Him before whom you are and upon the work which He has there set before you. You must confess your sins heartily, receive his absolution faithfully, hear his word attentively, praise sincerely, praise him lustily and with good courage. And when you receive the Lord's Supper, you must do it with true repentance and that strong faith, that heavenly joy and thankfulness that is due to so great a Lord thus experiencing your souls continually in their holy and spiritual duties, you will be every day more and more prepared and fitted to live with Him in heaven, there to enjoy and praise Him forever. Unquote. And that's all there is to be in heaven, beloved. Worship and praise. There is not going to be any dinners to prepare, which I'm sure your women are happy to hear. There's not going to be any Giants or 49ers game to watch, no computer games to play, no family get-togethers, no auto racing, no golf, no movie theaters to take your mind off of God. The only thing there is going to be in heaven is uninterrupted praise and worship. And if we are going to be fitted for heaven, he says, we need to spend more time, more energy, and more focus on worship and praise now, or we won't be prepared for our duties there. Now, some of you may be thinking that if that's all there's going to be going on in heaven, that I'm going to be awfully bored. And if that is what you're thinking, then you haven't heaven in your heart, beloved. 
We can't be like the people in Acts 19.32 of whom it says, they did not know for what reason they had come together. They didn't know why they had come together to worship. They were only coming together because they came together last Sunday and the Sunday before that and the Sunday before that and that many had been doing all their lives. But their hearts were so far away. They knew not why they gathered together. So they came with nothing, and they left with nothing. Is that any of you? How ought we then to conduct ourselves in God's house? What is pleasing to the Lord? Well, first of all, we have seen that the overriding theme of all worship is reverence. And that means to humble ourselves in the presence of someone greater than ourselves. So all of these things that we have been discussing for the last couple of weeks have to be taken into context of showing humility, reverence, and awe in God's presence. And this is what the Old Testament calls holy fear. So, we must first conduct ourselves here in reverential silence. In Ecclesiastes 5, it says, Make sure that you understand when you come into the house of the Lord that your words are to be few. In Habakkuk 2.20, it says, The Lord in His holy temple is in His holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before Him. When we come to meet with God, our conversations are to be about God. In fact, it says in Acts 21.40, that Paul wouldn't preach until it was silence in the temple. Now, I'm not saying there should be no conversation, but when you come through those doors, you need to quiet your spirit and focus on the duty you are about to enter into. When worship is over, you have the rest of the day to converse until your heart's content. Our lives are so filled with noise that many of us can't stand quiet. But you must make a conscious effort to quiet yourself when you enter into this sanctuary so you can give yourselves a few more minutes to throw off the noise and concerns of the world so your hearts and minds are prepared to meet your Father God right here in this place. I've seen some of you even try to prepare yourselves by praying, but some of God's people haven't paid much attention to that and have even interrupted your prayers. Let us do away with all the conversation in this sanctuary before worship that is about us. The very word sanctuary designates this place as being set apart from common and mundane uses to holy uses. Second, we ought to conduct ourselves with reverential posture. Psalm 95, 6 says, let us worship and bow down. One of the reasons we bow down and close our eyes in prayer is to show humility before God. If God was physically present, he would certainly bow before such a great God. Well, beloved, he is present spiritually 
He is here with you. In Exodus 4, it says, The people bowed down low and worship. In Matthew 22, when the wise men came and found baby Jesus in a manger, it says that the wise men fell down and worshipped. There is something about lowering ourselves that shows our submission to someone greater than us. And we stand when we read the Word of God out of respect because of the Old Testament pattern which nowhere in the New Testament is negated. God has the right to the adoration of our bodies as well as our souls because Christ suffered for both. God is the Lord of our bodies as well as our souls and therefore the deportment of our body is critical as of our spirit. We've fallen into a kind of Gnostic dualism. The Gnostics taught Whatever the spirit does is okay, and whatever the body does doesn't matter. So long as you think your hearts are right, you can do whatever you want externally, and it doesn't make any difference, because the flesh is evil anyway. As long as the spirit is right, the body can do whatever, because they don't affect one another. Now that is Gnostic dualism, not Christianity. In fact, almost all parts of the body are mentioned with reverence, with reference to worship. Ephesians 3 says, the heart is the lodging of Christ. Psalm 63 says, the mouth must be full of praises. Psalm 95 says, the knee must bend to his majesty. Psalm 63 says, we must lift up our hands as if we are beggars receiving alms. Psalm 123 says, the eye must be lifted up. And Psalm 78 says, ears must be inclined to worship. Now let's look at that for just a moment. Ears must be particularly employed in worship, for the ear is the proper door to the heart. It is the instrument that lets in truth. Romans 10, 17 says, Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And literally, it should be translated, Faith comes by hearing someone tell you the truth about Christ. That's why if your body is here and your ear is not listening, you are not worshiping, because the ear is the door to the heart. In fact, the ear is the fort that the minister is to assault, while the heart is the stronghold that the Holy Spirit wants to take. But if we are not attentive and we resist first the onslaught of the minister, we will discourage the second onslaught, that of the Holy Spirit. So reverential posture is essential to worship. Thirdly, we must have reverential attention. We already talked about the passage in Nehemiah chapter 8 where it says, when he read the word of God, the people stood up. They came to attention. In Judges 3, 2, the messenger said to the king, I have a message from God. And the king rose from his seat. It is no small thing just to hear the word of God read any less than it is to hear the word preached and expounded. We ought to listen to the Word, 
as condemned men listen to pardon, and as heirs listen to the will. There is a strong sense of interest in both of those cases, and we are both. We are condemned men and women who are hearing our pardon, and we are heirs who are listening to our will. Fourth, we are to worship with reverential hearts. Remember when I read from Isaiah, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Our hearts must be here. They must be attentive. Our hearts must reverence God. Fifth, we must have reverential hearts or attitudes toward holy things. You remember that God said in Leviticus, you shall keep my Sabbath and reverence my sanctuary. There is something about holy things that we should have a reverential attitude toward. Our Bibles are a perfect example. Some of you don't even bring your Bibles to worship. And I've noticed many of you young people coming empty-handed. We should never take our Bibles for granted. Sixth, we must come here with reverential behavior. In 1 Corinthians 10.32, Paul says, We are to give no offense to the Jews or to the Greeks. And then he says this, Or to the house of God. George Swinnick, a 17th century English Puritan, gave an entire sermon on this verse on how Christians so often in their worship not only offend God's people, they offend God's house. You are to be careful not to offend God's congregation. And you young people are not exempt. You come severely under God's judgment if during God's worship you are elbowing one another or talking or turning around and looking at the people behind you or squirming in your seats excessively, those who come in late to worship, when you joined Reformed Heritage Church, you contracted to be here at 2 p.m. Sunday afternoon. That is implied in your membership. To not be here at 2 p.m. with a quieted spirit focused on your duty to reverence God is not honorable to God nor to those who you have committed to covenant with. It is not a small matter. Do you not think that much of our behavior and worship grieves the heart of God? Whether it is talking among ourselves, whether it is frivolity, whether it is inattentiveness, if your heart is not attend on giving God the honor due unto His name, then you are grieving God. We are to give God reverential behavior. Now, if what I have already discussed today hasn't touched a nerve with some of you, what I'm about to bring up may, and I apologize ahead of time. You are to come to worship reverentially dressed. Now, some of you are probably saying the way I dress is none of your business. It hasn't a thing to do with worship. Well, let me try to convince you that Scripture says otherwise. In 1 Peter 5.5, 5, Peter says this, 
we are to clothe ourselves with humility. Now, I realize he's not making a closet check, but he is saying something about us being wrapped in humbleness. And it is no problem at all to transpose that over to the fact that even our clothing should say something about our respect for God and our humility and reverence for where we are in His presence. Now, you say, wait a minute. You look on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. Well, that does sound like a good verse to use against what I've just said. But that is not what that verse is talking about. It is referring to choosing a leader based on external things rather than the condition of his heart. However, in Exodus 28, there are 35 verses given to how the priest was to come dressed before the Lord. Now keep in mind, there are only 33 verses that talk about the creation of the world. God was very specific how the priest was to dress, and he called the priest's clothing holy garments. And he told the priest that if they did not wear these exquisite garments, they would incur his wrath. You say, but that was the Old Testament, and it deals strictly with the priest. So if you're going to try to pin this on us today, you're wrong. If anything, it should refer to the preacher. Well, that is not at all what it says. Now listen to me carefully. Because of the atoning work of Christ, the partition in the temple has been torn down so there is no separation between the meeting place and the Holy of Holies. Now we have the priesthood of all believers, where every believer has the right and the obligation to come into God's presence and worship. You are now a priest in that sense, and you must come in reverentially dressed to meet your King and your Lord. And if you don't like that example, let's go to the New Testament. This is not simply a cultural issue or my personal preference, brothers. I am not saying there is something inherently evil about Levi's or that there is anything inherently holy about wool suits. We are commanded to give our best to God. And if Levi's and a t-shirt is your best, and the best you can afford, end of discussion. But too often, we dress for fashion. We dress for comfort. We dress in what we like to wear, rather than saying, what I'm going to wear to church should make a statement about the condition of my heart before God. Jesus said you can say one thing, but one can know the real condition of your heart by your external behavior. He is saying what you do externally tells me what's on your heart more than you telling me what your heart is like. We have fallen victim to Western culture where people say no one can tell me what to do. I am the master of my life, the captain of my soul. And brothers and sisters, that has nothing to do with anything. Beloved, I am fully convinced. If you dress better to meet anyone, then you come to meet the creator and sustainer of all of creation. You have insulted him. And the particulars of that, 
You've got to work out on your own. Skip and I are not going to be checking your closets. Why? Because clothing is not the issue after all I've just said. The issue is are we giving God our best? Last week I made an issue about preparing your hearts and minds for worship. And I suggested from Scripture that you begin Saturday to do so. But again, my concern is not that you spend every second in preparation. Besides, you do have most of Sunday to prepare. My point in all of this is that you take worship as serious as God does, and you spend the time that is necessary to get yourself in the right frame of mind to give God the reverential praise He is due and commands. When you enter those doors on Sunday, your spirit needs to be quieted and your heart needs to be ready to worship our great God with every ounce of your being. We are to manifest our humility and reverence for God in every facet of our worship. His glory, not our comfort or feelings, is the issue here. Remember this. This is probably the most important thing I've told you today. There is nothing you do or say as a Christian that does not say something about how you feel about the Lord. And that is especially true on the Sabbath, the Lord's Day, when you come to meet and worship the Lord of all lords and King of all kings. Quickly now, one last thing. Come to worship with reverence and joy. Psalm 2.11 says, Worship the Lord with reverence. Celebrate when you come here, but rejoice with trembling. One of the Puritans said, Come with joy. Come with reverence. Come with holiness. It is holy ground, not by an inherent holiness, but in regards to its use. It is God's sanctuary, the habitat of His sanctity. The Word is holy. The action is holy. The place is holy, ordained by the Most Holy to make us holy. Beloved, some of you may be calling me a legalist. But, brethren, it is my concern for you and the responsibility you have to God, to worship Him as He deserves, that I call you to these reverential standards. Trust me, neither you nor I will ever attain to the dignity God deserves and demands. But by the grace of God, we must strive to do as best we can. He deserves our best, and to give Him anything less is not worship at all. Please, please remember, worshiping Almighty God is the most important and most noble act you will ever perform. Praise God. He has called us to so worthy a task. Amen. Let us pray. Father God, all blessing and honor and glory 
and power are yours. For you are a great and marvelous God who is full of mercy and grace, which you bestow richly upon your people. It is by your all-powerful hands that all things are, and it is by your providential care that all things move and have their being. May we not shrink in giving you the praise you deserve for your perfect care of us. May we truly display the dignity you deserve in all that we do, but may we show special care to do so when we come to meet you in corporate worship. Make us ever mindful of your mighty salvific acts, and let that motivate us to come before you in reverence and joy, celebrating the fact that we have been redeemed out of the darkness of our sin into the light of your precious family to covenant with you for an eternity. How can we do anything less than worship you with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul, and all our energy? In the name of our living and reigning Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Well, that's all the time we have today. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. If you'd like to review today's broadcast, we would invite you to contact us for a copy of the program. They're available for just $5. Mention today's date and we'll send a CD your way. Here's where to write to us. PMB number 402, 1484 Pollard Road. That's in Los Gatos, California. The zip code is 95032. Again, that's PMB number 402, 1484 Pollard Road. Los Gatos, California, 95032 is that address. Our phone number, if you'd rather call, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. Our website is reformedheritage.org, and if you'd like to join us for worship, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. We meet at the Lone Hill Church on 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions at our website, reformedheritage.org, or again, call 408-866-5607. Thank you for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you next time we get together as we continue our studies in God's Word. Until then, may Christ be your abounding grace. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.